Hallelujah. Now, I'm trying to stay within 45-minute sessions, but uh, so if we can keep the momentum, that'll be good. If not, I'll, I'll just stress the session out a little longer. So, all right. So you ready to go? Hallelujah. Say, Lord, expand my capacity. Hallelujah. Say it again like you mean it. Say this with me. I'm a son of God. Even the ladies are sons. Do you believe that? Say that I'm a son of God. I'm the devil's master. Two of you, I said I'm the devil's master. I'm man's servant. I'm not waiting for a move of God. Some of you are looking at me. That's why you're sick and messed up because you don't confess with your mouth. Say it again. I am a son of God. I am the devil's master. I am man's servant. I'm not waiting for a move of God. I am a move of God. Wherever I go, God goes. Whoever I touch, God will touch. I'm daily renewing my mind to find out, to discover who he said I already am. And I'm learning to live worthy of who he said I am in him. Praise the Lord. All right. I think you're ready to go. Luke chapter 10. It's good to make confessions. Amen. The devil will try to tell you who you are. Religion will try to tell you who you are, or rather who you're not. Luke chapter 10. So remember in, in chapter 11, verse 1, they said, teach us to pray. And then we find out that these guys, uh, the disciples, back in verse 1, after this, the Lord appointed 70 others. So how many were there? 70 plus 12 is how many? 72, 82, rather, and then, and then Jesus. So that's 83. So at this point, 83 people are healing the sick. So it was never just Jesus. It's 80, right in here, it's 83. Now why, let me ask you this, why would he ordain these people to do that? Because he can't be everywhere. Physically. Now, he's, now that's why he said, it's better that I go away. It's better that I go, because then if I go, I can send you the comforter. I can send you the helper. Are you hearing that? Who's the Holy Spirit called? The helper. You know what the problem is? Is we are confusing our role and his role. JR, can you come up, my friend? All right. Now let's pretend the Pastor Graham hires me to paint, paint this church. All right. Let's say, let's say it wasn't brick and I, I, I'm, a, I'm a painter. I, I'm actually, my dad was a painter growing up, so I, I, that's one trait I know. So I think in terms of that. So a lot of times the way your background is how God will speak to you. That's just kind of a side note. That was for free. Praise the Lord. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm hired by pastor to, to paint uh, this building. Okay. JR is my helper. Who, who got hired to do the job? Me. So I'm, I'm the one who legally has to do the work, but he's my helper. So helper, can you, you're going to follow me. All right. So he, he's carrying my tools, and I'm going to go do this work. And, and as I begin to do things, he, he's giving me the tools that I need, right? He's giving, he's giving me what I need before I need it. And sometimes my helper will go prepare something before I even get there. That's why it says in the Word, the Lord your God goes ahead of you like a consuming fire. But the problem is this, is that 
sometimes we forget that he's the helper and we're waiting him, for him to do the work, but he said, you lay hands on the sick and then they'll, re- they'll recover. That's just like I can't wait for the helper to prophesy. He gives me the word. I have to speak it. So now the helper is with me, and now let's say this, this young man needs prayer. Let's say he's sick. So I lay my hands on him, and I, and I begin to speak to his body, right? And then after I leave, the helper finishes the work. Put your hand on him. He's the helper. So now I lay hands on him, and I minister to him, and then I go on. And then the helper is there. Come on, helper. So, so as I'm doing this work, Holy, Holy Spirit, who's my helper is helping me do what he assigned me to do. Are you with me? So let me ask you this. Come on, helper. Who? I know he's being cheeky behind me, right? I don't have to be a prophet to know. All right, hallelujah. He just lived with someone long enough. So my question is, is who's following who? Thank you, sir. I thought, I was, I thought you were supposed to follow God. See, re, see, remember, we start off by... The title of Okay. This is where we get into problems because we confuse the role of the Holy Spirit. Now, obviously, there are times when we're in worship and God just, God just breaks out. But see, this is all back to what Smith Wigglesworth used to say. You know, Dr. Jonathan David has an amazing teaching called The Word and the Spirit or the Revival of the Word and Spirit. And this is something Smith Wigglesworth prophesied. So this is really what we're talking about. Because what Smith used to say is, if the Spirit doesn't move me, I move the Spirit. Right? So it's the same. So a lot of the principles are the same in the prophetic. You, you, stir, you stir the word of the Lord, and then you get more. Amen? So then the helper is helping you. So, so remember that picture. He's following me, but what is most of the church saying? Lord, send me. He's saying, I sent you. Go. Lord, lead me. He said, I'm following you. Because we don't know that he's with us. We don't understand what we've had pre-permission to do. So we want God to tell us, I mean, it's very special and unique cases where God dictates to people what to do. Sometimes he has to because of their environment. But on the whole, God is not sitting in heaven wanting you to be a robot. You understand? See, even the kids like it. Hallelujah, I'm doing good. Praise the Lord. See, mo- mo- most, I've heard a lot of teaching where, you know, Jesus was praying all night and, you know, the disciples were asleep and he went on the mountaintop, you know, and he got, a, got out his iPad before God the Father and, you know, he, he took out the calendar and he said, Father, what do you want me to do tomorrow? He pray- he's praying all night to get direction, you know. Are you hearing? And the Father said to Jesus, well, Jesus, tomorrow you're going to meet Zacchaeus and he's in the tree. So you're going to have to go meet him in the tree and then after that, you're going to have to run all the way across town and meet the woman at the well. You're not going to have time to eat lunch, so by that time you'll be thirsty. So you'll have to ask her for something to drink, and after you minister to her, you can have lunch. That's why the disciples went into the town to get food. Okay, I'm not saying this happened. I'm saying this is what people believe. All right? That's what people believe. See, if that's true, then what hope do you and I have? Because nobody's that spiritual. I don't care if you're the archbishop, archapostle, prophet of, you know, Canterbury, whatever. I mean, you're not, you're not going to, no, no one's going to hear God 24-7 in that deal, detail all the time. That's why we walk by faith, not by sight. And so one of the things you're going to discover is you do not need a leading to obey a command. How many feel led to stay married? 
You feel led? All right. How many feel led, led the tithe? Oh, God, don't ask them that. Hallelujah. Led to forgive. I don't feel led to forgive my mother-in-law. I don't feel led, you know. See, this, this is where goofiness comes into the church because we don't understand there are certain things God is not obligated to impress upon you. He already said it in his word. So if you can just get this into your mentality, we're to be led by the Spirit, but his Spirit is his nature. It's his character. There are special leadings. There are times when God, he bears witness with your spirit. Not, not everything is in the Bible. Right? Who you're supposed to marry is not in the Bible. You shall marry Kevin. You know, it's not thou shalt. It's not there, right? You shall, you shall in 1988 work at McDonald's. It's not in there. Okay, so everything's not in the Bible, but God's bigger than the Bible. But he'll never violate the Bible. He's never going to tell you something different than that's in the Word because the Word and Spirit agree. Right? But so, so the things that are revealed, yours, He doesn't have to lead you to do it. Thou shalt not commit adultery. You don't have to fast and pray. Say, Lord, just impress upon my heart, you know, to let me sense that. Let me feel that. It doesn't, you know, He's not obligated to do anything that's a command. Are you hearing? Who wrote the Bible? Men of God that were inspired by the Spirit. That's in Peter, right? Men, men of God that were inspired by the Spirit. They penned it down, right? Is that true? So the Holy Spirit who inspired the Word, if you ask Him to lead you, what is He going to lead you to do? He's going to lead you into all truth. Hear this. He's not going to lead you to heal the sick. He's not going to lead you in any other way other than direct you to what the command has said to do, what the Word. He is the one who wrote the Word. So he's going to lead you to the Word. And then it's up to you to obey the Word. That's just like when I, when I met my wife, I heard the Lord tell me, she's going to be your wife. But I still, had, I still had to make a choice. Now you may not get that. Maybe, maybe you never heard that. Maybe you just fell in love like a normal person. But I was really dense and God had to tell me. You know, so I don't, I don't think I'm special. I think I had a lot of problems and what God was helping me out. Like, son, you're really messed up. That one, the pretty one. I thought, oh, thank you, Jesus. That's a good one. God is specific. Hallelujah. But here's the point. You, you know, God brought us together, but I have to choose to stay together. We, we have to choose to stay together. And so a lot of times we're waiting for God to do something, and he's saying, look, you just got to look in my word and see, and see are you going to do this or not? Are you hearing that? And you can be sure you're being led by the Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, it says, They that are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We always quote that. But look at the verse before. It says, They that are steadily mortifying the deeds of the flesh. So what's the Spirit of God going to lead you to do? Kill the flesh in your life. It doesn't mean He's going to dictate to you what to do every day. Lord, what shirt should I wear? Lord, what pants should I wear? He's like, I'm your father, not your mother. Just, I don't care what you wear. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We're not, we're, not suppo- we're not supposed to be, you know, weird. We're not supposed to be strange. You know, God, God never called us to go on into all the world and hop on one foot and, you know, get goosebumps. And, and we're, suppo- we're here because we want to set people free. Amen? We're here because we want to do the call of God in our lives. Hallelujah. So remember that. If you want to be led by God's Spirit, be led by His nature, be led by His character. So when Jesus 
communed with the Father. I don't believe that, he, that he's receiving specific things. I'm sure he did, but it's not all the time. Because, how do I know that? Because he was a man. Acts 2.22 says Jesus was a man. Philippians 2 says he disrobed himself of all that, and he took the form of a man, of a servant. So he had no advantage above you and I. Religion will tell you otherwise. Well, that's Jesus. Okay, it's not just Jesus. It's 70 others plus 12. And you know how long they were with him at this point? About nine months. Let, at least no more than a year. Turn to someone. Come on, look at someone. Say, how long have you been in church? Are you feeling the heat? Or Hallelujah. See, in the house there are rules. In the house there's government. But it's different rules outside. Jesus said, if you see a devil, shoot him on sight. There's nothing to pray about. You understand? It's different. Inside there are ranks and files. There's order. Not everyone's just jumping up at the pulpit and, no, I'm the pastor today. No, there's rules in the house. There's order in the house. You know, there's protocol in the house. But, but see, we're not meant just to be in the house. And that, that's what this is about. Amen? So they're with Jesus for about nine months. They're not born again. Are you getting that? Remember, remember this other guy? The disciples are walking and they see this guy casting out devils and he's prophesying in his name. You remember that? What did they say to Jesus? Hey, Lord, we try to stop him. Jesus said, no. If he's not against me, he's for me. He's doing a good work. Don't stop him. So... As far as we know, the Bible doesn't say, but we don't even know if this man, first of all, he had no name. Second of all, we don't even know if he had ever even heard Jesus. See, you think, most of us think, it's dependent on what you know. It's not dependent on what you know. Are you hearing that? It's dependent on who's in you. He said, but I've never, God's never used me this way. That's okay. He's done it before. You hear me? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. If the same spirit of him dwells in you, the word dwells to have freedom of expression, to be totally free to operate, the same spirit. So this same spirit called the Holy Spirit has opened blind eyes before. He's healed leprosy before. He's raised the dead before. He's done all that before. So it's nothing new to him. He's an expert. He was in the healing business long before I I was preaching this. He was in the healing business long before Kenneth Hagin preached it or whoever else. He's been been doing it for a long time, and he's really good at it. He's he's, He's the best. Amen? So that's who's in you. So these guys, that's why God's trying to show you it wasn't just what they knew. They didn't know anything. These guys didn't even know how to pray yet. This will teach us to pray. So at some point it clicked. Hey, Jesus is getting power. He has a relationship with God the Father. We need that. It can't just be about us doing works. See, that's the danger. If, if you make it about that, then you're, you, you will get into familiar spirits. You'll start living sin. You'll have power sin. You'll have other spirits, Holy Spirit, and you're, and you're going to get messed up. That's why you don't, you don't want to wind up in Matthew seven twenty one. depart from me, I never knew you. 
But if those people who had no relationship with God were doing, doing this stuff, I think we that know God ought to be doing at least that much, if not better. Amen? So the first step is believing that God wants, you to, wants to use you that way. You've got to believe that. You've got to get out of the sin consciousness. You've got to stop listening to condemnation. That doesn't mean you have permission to sin. It means you have an advocate with the Father that if you sin, there's forgiveness. Amen? Someone say clear conscience. See, sin, listen, sin cannot stop someone from getting healed. The only hindrance to healing is you believing there's a hindrance to healing. God will use you even if you're in sin. You say, no, it can't be. Do you really think everyone is perfect? That's why Paul said, I don't even judge myself. I'm not saying you should live in sin. Right? If you're born again, you won't want to sin. You may have habits. You may, you may fall at times. That's why I tell people I, I, I sin all that I want. I, I, you know, I drink and I, I go out there and you know, just sleep around. and I do all, as much as I want. And they, they, what? I said, but I don't want to. Because, because I'm recreated. I have a new nature. So you don't want to do those things. Now, you may have sin habits that have to be broken, strongholds in the mind that have to be broken. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that you never make a mistake or that we're never tempted, but I'm saying that your inner man is complete. Inside you're complete. Inside your spirit is recreated in his nature. Amen? So these guys were with Jesus about nine months. And all he gave them was his name. So the man that had no name, that was doing the work, he had never been to the SOP, never been to this, to this seminar. He never even heard any of the powerful speak. All he knew was the name of Jesus works. Do you, t- can you at least have that in your life? The name of Jesus works. Faith in the name. And see, it's not just the name, it's faith in the name. That's why they showed me that that dollar, the bill, it said Jesus is not just a swear word. You know, you should see it's like a, it's like a track for witnessing. All right? And so we have to understand it's, it's faith in his name. Hallelujah. All right, so are you, are you with me so far? So remember the word cast out laborers. That's really important. Verse 3, go your ways. Luke 10, verse 3, go your Ways. What does that sound like? Go into all the world. Acts 10.38, Jesus was a man anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about. Say that he went about. Okay, now if you look at that up in the original language, this goes back to the picture I was telling you about Jesus. He wasn't getting verbatim instructions every day. He was led by God's nature. He's led by God's spirit. He's led by God's character. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Led, led by the word of God. Led by commands. Right? So he went about doing good. Went about, says he wandered about with no set destination. He wandered about. See, God, God actually knows you have a life outside of church. I know it's, that's like a sign and a wonder in itself. Like you actually have a job and you, have, you do things that, you know, when you're not here. So what's the point? The point is 
He knows you're raising a family. He knows you have a job. He, know, he knows that there's other things going on that you have to maintain. So what he's saying is, go your ways as you're going to, to, to the store to buy food. Look for opportunities to minister to people as you're picking up your kids from school. See, he's practical. It's not, it's not like, you know, you have one life, one church life, and then another life. No, it's one life. Amen? It's like Papa Jonathan says, you're not a cat. You don't have seven lives. Hallelujah. You know, many lives. No, it's just one life. Hallelujah. So go your ways. That's what he's talking about. Go at, in your daily life, you look for opportunities to minister to people. Behold, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. All right, in the book of Matthew, chapter 7, in there, he talks about how there are false prophets, right, or wolves in sheep's clothing. So please, it's not shepherd's clothing, it's sheep's clothing. There are more false prophets in the pew than at the pulpit. Hello? That's what the Word says. We're always looking at the guy up front. Is he a man of God? Not sure. You, why don't you look in the mirror? Because false is a nature. Are you hearing that? That's why I don't take this message and create chaos for people. Pastors do, deserve your prayers. They don't deserve your judgment, your criticism. Most of them are trying to do a good job. There's, you know, there's, there's very few. There is strange fire in the earth, but you shouldn't be looking for that all the time. You're not God's police. You're not a judge. And that's why... He says, freely you've received, freely give. It's not for you to determine who gets it and who doesn't. You're, you're just supposed to be a conduit for God to touch people. That's your job. Amen? So, so are you getting that? Go your ways. It means your daily life, wherever you go. I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no purse. Or does that mean carry no purse or does he mean something else? All right, I guess all the ladies are sinners because you have purses, right? Someone say, Spirit of Truth. Write this down. The Spirit of Truth is the essence of truth. It's what he meant by what he said. The Spirit of Truth. That's what he leads us and guides us into. All truth. So there's a Spirit of Truth. That's the essence of the truth. That's what Jesus meant by what he said. There's what's called all truth. Right now I'm preaching to you from John 16. All throughout there. There's all truth. That means that God wants you to know the truth about every part of your life, not just about healing. You know, I heal the sick, but your marriage is a wreck. You need all truth, brother. I got someone delivered today, but I, you know, my, I'm poor. My, I'm broke. My finances are gone. He wants you to have all truth. Amen. He, he, see, Jesus came to give us life, not ministry. He came to give us life. Amen. Life. Someone say life. So he gave you, he, he wants you to have life abundantly, not an abundant life. An abundant life means you live high on the hog. Do you see that expression here? I just popped in my head. You do? Okay. Wow. You just have this life of indulgence. You know, you have, you know, you have a $15,000 dog house. Your dog lives in it. It's a golden house. I mean, this is indulgence. This is, that's not why he prospers us. It's so that we can be a blessing to the nations of the world. 
Amen? So there's so many doctrines that go, that go way out there. So what Jesus died to give us is life abundantly. That means we have so much of life inside of us that we never run out. We can give, his, give out his life, which is his spirit. He's a life-giving spirit. That's 1 Corinthians 15. Right? He put the breath of life in Adam. And, and 1 Corinthians 15, the last Adam is a life-giving spirit. So that's what's on the inside of you. You're a life-giving spirit. Jesus said in John 6, my words are spirit, and they are life. So learning to operate in the healing ministry is not really the right way to say it. It's learning how to operate in life, how to release life. That's why I don't have to know what's wrong with you. Because he knows what's wrong with you. My job is to release life. Your job is to... I, well, what, you know, what are all your symptoms? What are the names of all the devils? And what's their email address? And where do they come from? And all that. You don't have to know all that. You never see Jesus doing that. Not one time in the Gospels did he go on people's paths. Not one time did he say, well, I can't heal you because you have sin. Not one time. Now, the truth is, if, if you keep sin in your life, that whatever you get delivered from will come back on you. And so a lot of this teaching is designed to dish out power but you also need to study how to keep your healing and hopefully hopefully we'll get to that because that's just as important see even even a lot of a lot of the ones that god really used they were so good at ministering but they didn't know how to keep it for themselves and that's what the word of faith movement was all about god had to raise up people that taught you how to have faith for yourself but then what happened is a, a, lot of, a lot of that even got into excess because then we forgot how to have faith for people. So we put it all on people. Well, it's your fault you're sick. It's your fault. It's your fault. See, that's not right either. See, there's two, there's two sides of the coin. One side of the coin is healing is a children's bread. Right? The other side of the coin is healing is a sign to unbelievers. So how much faith can an unbeliever have? Not much. They're not believers. They don't have faith. So they need you to demonstrate the power of God. Jesus actually said, don't, you know, don't believe me unless I do the works. Can you imagine? So how can we expect people to believe if we're not even operating in power? You hand them a chance that Jesus loves you. They don't know what that means. Their dad loved them too, who sexually abused them. What does that mean? Nothing. Are you hearing that? See, that's why he's loved. We have to redefine that power, demonstrating his goodness. This is so important. Amen? All right, let's try to get through this. So, so all truth, right? Spirit of truth. There's also prophetic truth. That's what is to come. So he'll show, you, he'll show us things to come. Let me give you the reference so I'm not just, so I quote it right. John 16, 13, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. So the Spirit of truth, all truth. He'll not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. That's present tense, hear. That's present truth present truth whatever he hears he speaks and he'll disclose to you what is to come that's in the future that's prophetic truth so that's four dimensions of truth spirit of truth all truth 
present truth, prophetic truth. In verse 14, it says, He shall glorify me. That means the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, will glorify Jesus, for he shall take of mine and shall disclose it to you. You hear that? He takes from Jesus, and he shows you what belongs to Jesus. Say that. Holy Spirit takes from Jesus. He shows me what belongs to Jesus. And when he does that, it glorifies Jesus. Now listen, all things the Father has are mine. He takes from Jesus. But what belongs to Jesus? How did Jesus get what he has? All things the Father has belong to Jesus. All things the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said he takes of mine and discloses it to you. So that's the ministry of the helper. He shows you. See, every, see everything God the Father promised the Son belongs to you because you're connected to him. Are you hearing that? So remember how we were talking about authority? We're talking about delegated authority, inherited authority. Okay, here's, here's another way to look at it. Remember the Great Commission, go into all the world, right? What did he say before that? All power, all authority has been given unto me. Now you go, right? So we're not even, we don't have time to get into the kingdom aspect of what it means to disciple the nations. That's a whole other deal, right? And... and our network has teaching on that. You can get that. But, here, but here's the thing. He said all authority. He said that all authority. So who has all authority? Jesus has all authority. Does he have all authority? Talk to me. Does he have all authority? Okay, so how much authority does the devil have? Are you sure? Are you positive about that? Come on. I'm just, I want you to listen to the word. He said all authority belongs to me. So if all authority belongs to Jesus, can the devil have any? Okay, that means he's completely illegal. He has power, but he doesn't have authority. Right? But what do you hear people say? Well, this happened because I let the devil in. Okay, who has all authority? That means the devil has no authority and neither do you. By yourself, you have no authority. All right? Here's a picture. My house gets robbed. I don't know why I'm always saying that. Lord, protect my house. Sorry, in Jesus' name. <laughs> Let's say my house gets robbed. Now, if I call the police, and if the police was a, a normal Christian who's been indoctrinated by religion for so many years, he'll say, well, Pastor Derek, uh, I know you've been robbed, but did you leave the door open? Was it unlocked? Now, is that the police officer's job, or is his, or is his job to go get the thief? Go get the thief. But what do we do? We make an issue about whether the door was unlocked or not. Now, the truth is, you should learn and be smart and not leave your door unlocked and take the necessary precautions. But that's got nothing to do with the thief who's illegal. Whether you left it unlocked or not, he's totally illegal. Do you understand? So you have, you have to deal with the issue. That's like when Abraham was messing up, God struck the, the king. Right? He, he messed up Pharaoh's house. He said, he said, this is my prophet. Don't mess with him. And, and he said, I didn't know. You know, that's, that's when Abraham lied about his wife, right? He, li- he lies about Sarah. He says, she, I mean, she was beautiful at 65. Hallelujah. I'm claiming that promise. Hallelujah. Fine at 65. Hallelujah. That's all right. Amen. The 
gives life back to your physical body. Someone, you can claim that promise, amen? You can get prettier, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So Abraham lies, he gets into trouble, but then God steps in and he, and he gets the whole house of, of, that, of that ungodly king and he shuts him down. He says, you, you touched my, my man's wife. He said, I didn't know it. God said, that's your problem. Right? So then, so then that's how he acquired all the goods. He sent Abraham out. But then after all, God corrected Abraham. He said, now, now you better stop doing this nonsense. Do you understand? So that's why when we minister to people, you have to deal, deal with the enemy and then deal with them on, in a different way. All right? You can't say, well, you let this in. See, that's where a lot of religious sacred cows happen because you feel like you can't, you can't deal with it unless they're totally right. Now, sometimes people are in a cycle. They, if they keep cursing themselves and confessing wrong things, and, you know, it's like you're pouring. If, if, I, if I had a plant up here and I poured water on the plant to water the plant, that water doesn't get into the leaves right away. It has, it has to go down into the soil, and it has to come up through the roots, and then it gets into the leaves. A lot of times that's how healing is. You're, pour, you're, you're releasing the Spirit of God, and life is going in. But sometimes it takes time. That's, that's why it says all believers can lay hands on the sick, and they'll what? Recover. It doesn't say they'll all be instantly healed. We're not promised that. You're not promised instant healing every single time. I believe that as we grow up more and more like Jesus, we'll get more and more instant results. All right? But the truth is, half the time, he healed based on their faith, and half the time, he healed on his faith. So we, we need to bring it up another level. Amen? All right. Hallelujah. I don't want to spend too long in Luke 10 because I haven't even touched the Old Testament mentality. But let's, let's look in verse, uh, since we're there, Luke, Luke 10, verse 7, or verse 5, Whatever house you enter, say peace to this house. And if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. And if not, it will return to you. All right, so, this, so remember, we started talking in, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 4 about carrying no purse. Carry no bag, no shoes, greet no one along the way. What is, what is he talking about? You find that in Exodus chapter 12. When they ate the Passover, they had, they had to eat it in haste. So he's, make, he's, he's making a reference. That's why when I say Old Testament mentality, New Testament mentality, I'm not talking about throwing out the Old Testament. Some people... I've had some people say, well, I hate the Old Testament. I said, well, then you're, you don't know what you're doing. You hate the Word of God then. Because you can't understand the new without understanding the old. You know, do you realize how many times Jesus quoted the Old Testament? He came to fulfill the Old Testament. When Satan tempted him, he's quoting from the Torah. Man shall not live by bread alone as in Deuteronomy. How many times he quoted from the Psalms? How many times he quoted from Proverbs? So the problem is not that we don't use the Old Testament. That's all the apostles had to preach out of. That's how the epistles are written they're interpreting what the old was. So in the Old Testament, Christ is concealed. In the New Testament, he's revealed. So it's not that we don't use the Old Testament, but we look at it in New Testament light. All right, so I, I need to be clear so that you don't think, well, well, that, that, that preacher's preaching from the Old Testament now. Because I've heard some people say that. I'm like, man, you just need to go to school. I'm serious, because that's not what it means. Why well, just carry around a New Testament? How can you even understand what it means? 
Paul in Romans 15 says I, I, his apostolic call is to minister as a priest. So how can, you, how can you even know what that means unless you go back and see what the priest did? And then Paul says his offering is the Gentiles. But he's an apostle in the New Testament. So, so you need the old, but you have to understand its purpose. You have to understand it in New Testament light. Is that okay? All right, so don't, don't, don't trip up and freak out and, you know, oh, the Old Testament, okay? I just have to say that. Can we move on? Are you okay? You're still breathing? All right, that's good. Verse 7. So, so check out, I don't have time to go into it. it reference verse 4 there with, with Exodus chapter 12, and I'm sure God will give you revelation there because it talks about the Passover. Greet no one along the way. It mean, means you're focused on your assignment. It's extreme focus. Amen? Greet no one along the way. It doesn't mean you can't say hi to someone. Hello, you know, no one. You know, the Bible says don't greet anybody. Okay, you, you need the spirit of truth. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Whatever house you enter, what's the house? The house of God. Amen? Not whatever pile of stones you enter. That's AI. Not whatever tree house you enter. You know, the kids are in the backyard. This is our house. No, whatever house, whatever, whatever house of God. See, if you live right and do what God tells you, he will promote you and you will have a circuit. He'll send you to places. Amen? Verse 7, stay in that house, eating and drinking what they give you. The labor is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. Just because you learn how to heal the sick doesn't give you a right to change pastors every two years. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be really on you because God is sick and tired, sorry the expression, of releasing power and then everybody messes it up because we don't understand protocol. We don't understand covenant. We don't understand relationships. So we need that. We need to be accountable. God doesn't expect us to be in bondage. If you're, if you're in a church that's religious and, you know, they, they're not preaching the truth, God, God doesn't expect you to stay in bondage. Amen. But you, you can't just leave any place you want to leave because you don't like what's said. That's, that's called being immature. Quiet on me now. Come on. We're talking about the power of God. Well, I didn't like what he said. I'm leaving. Okay? I mean, can you imagine if your kids said that in school? I didn't like what the teacher said, so I left. See how happy you are. All right? So, all right, those are all my disclaimers. Okay, now in verse... Verse 8, whatever city you enter, say whatever city. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what's set before you and heal those in it who are sick. Did he say to heal anybody in the house? No, when it, whatever city you enter. So there's protocol in the house, there's protocol in the city. When you go into a city, what are you supposed to do? Heal the sick therein. And then read the rest of it. It says, and then say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. That means you go in. You minister to people, and you say, what are you going to do about that? God just set you free. The kingdom of God's come near to you. But in Matthew 10, he said, preach and then heal. Here he says, heal and then preach. So take your pick. Amen? Sometimes it happens, you preach first, and then you heal. Sometimes you heal, and then you preach. Who's supposed to do that? Believers in the city. In the city. When's the last time you knocked on your neighbor's door? I know they know you're a Christian because you're, you're, you disappear every Sunday. They sleep in and you're in church. But when's the last time you said, knock, knock, knock? Hi, my name's so-and-so. Just want to let you know your life's going to get better because I'm here. The Spirit of God's in me. Is there anybody sick in this house? 
Any, anything I can do for you? So, well, yeah, my son. So you go lay hands, you command that thing, and you start operating in this govern in this in this, in this authority. That's what you have authority to do. Now, if that's a stretch to your mind, just stay with me because the Holy Spirit is going to help you believe this. Amen? Is that okay? All right, so let's get back to Luke 11 because that's where we started. Now, I hope you understand I'm not saying that you shouldn't pray. We need to pray. Amen? But what I'm saying is you can pray all day long and not understand the authority you carry and no miracles happen. Because you keep connecting with God like a beggar, like a servant. Oh, God, do this. He's saying, well, you believe? You, you do it. You speak to the mountain. God, move the mountain for me. He can't do that because he already commanded you. You speak to the mountain. Amen? All right. So then in verse 2 uh, through verse 4 is what we call the Lord's Prayer which is actually not really the Lord's Prayer. That would be more John 17, right? Because that was the high priestly prayer. Jesus said, pray in such a way. So Dr. David has a tremendous teaching on that I recommend. You can get that from the pastors here. So I'm not going to open up verses 2 through 4 because there will be no time. So let's skip down to verse 5. We're in Luke 11, verse 5. He said to them, suppose one of you have a friend. And shall go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. From inside he shall answer and say, Don't bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything, because he's his friend, yet because of his persistence or shamelessness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Now stop there. If you only read up to that point, see, parables express a truth. You're not supposed to go in the parables and not every single thing represents something. Well, the three loaves, that is, you know, that's the, the third day and, you know, that's the day he rose again. And, you know, he, you're not, you're not, that, that's not what you're supposed to do. You know, every leaf on the tree in the parable represents something. That, that we're getting tripped up. It's, it's to communicate a truth. All right? And so if you only read up to that point, you won't understand or you'll misunderstand and think that we have to force God to do something. No, we don't. He wants to give us the kingdom. It's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. He wants to heal you, and he wants to heal through you. Well, you missed a good place to say amen. I said he wants to heal you. He's willing to heal you, but as long, as long as you're not sure about that, you're never going to be able to stand in faith. Well, I'm not sure if he wants to heal. I'm not sure if it's his will. Okay, that, we're going to get into that, but I'm just kind of prepping you because that has to be resolved in you. That he wants to heal you, and he wants to heal through you. Okay? So let's read, let's read on in verse 9. I say to you, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. So does that mean you have to keep asking God? Oh, God, do it. Oh, God, do it. See, ask has to do with demand. He said, whatever you demand in my name, whatever you say in my name. That's why I said Jesus didn't pray for people. He commanded. He spoke to things, and they obeyed him. And he said, now I give you the same power. Do this in my name. Are you hearing that? So the point of this 
parable or this story is to say sometimes you meet resistance. Sometimes you meet resistance. Sometimes the devil wants to know how serious you are. He, want, he wants to know if, if you know what you mean. But if you're not sure what your footing is, and the first time it doesn't work, you say, well, it wasn't God's will, then, then you're going you're gonna to be messed up. And, you think, and then you're mixing up the will of God. If I, okay, if I pray for somebody and it doesn't work, I think I screwed up. I think I, I screwed up in the sense of there was a battle. I don't think it was God. I know that sounds hard, but you know what? You have, you have to resolve this in your mind. Okay? Because Jesus never rebuked anybody for not having faith. He got on his disciples for not having faith. And the, and the fact of the matter is sometimes you're in a battle and you need help. And, and if you don't, you know, you're in the midst of it yourself, you need help. And so if we don't know how to be shameless and persistent and keep standing on the word and confessing the word, that's why he says in, in Hebrews it says he's the high priest of our profession or our confession. That means God expects us to say the same things Jesus says. That's in chapter 4 of Hebrews. I think it's verse 14. And then in Hebrews chapter 10. It talks about how, I think it's in verse 19 throughout there. It talks about how we have to pin down our confession. It's the language of a wrestler. Let us hold fast to our confession. That means pin it down like a wrestler would pin it down. All right, so so the point is, as you begin to do this, as you begin to enter and, and walk in this truth, sometimes you see things happen right away. Sometimes you meet resistance, and that's, when you have to stand in faith, right? Are you with me? Now, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith counts things as done. So faith never says, God's going to heal me. That's hope. Hope says, I have it somewhere in the future. Faith says it is now. Faith is an assurance it's a conviction. There's no wishy-washiness in faith. It is absolutely no. I have it. Right? But now, here's the thing. This is where a lot of teaching gets screwed up. People hear that and they think, like, let's say your leg is hurting. And you're limping on your leg. Brother, are you okay? No, I mean, are you in pain? No. Are you in pain? You're in pain. So God doesn't want you to deny something. He wants you to deal with it with his word. You understand? You, you, so you shouldn't say, you shouldn't lie and say I'm not in pain because then you're denying something. You should say it's been dealt with. I've spoken to this. It's dealt with. It will obey me. Don't worry about it. Thank you very much. You know, you're sniffling. You know, or, or, are you okay? Don't worry about it. It's been dealt with. Thank you. So you're not denying it. You understand? You're dealing with it head on according to the word of God. Sometimes you need help. You get help. But faith counts it as done. But then the thing is, sometimes the in-between time or the point at which the miracle or the healing actually manifests, sometimes there's a gap. Sometimes the gap is longer than others. That's where this comes in. Keep asking. Keep commanding. Keep standing. Keep knocking. Don't give up. Stand on the word. Don't, don't say, well, because it's that point that's actually the only time that you have an opportunity to please God. 
Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith doesn't need to see anything. Faith doesn't need to feel anything or hear anything. I've seen so many miracles happen when I prayed, and man, it, I felt nothing. I didn't feel an anointing, I, as we would say. I never felt the presence. You know, I was in Slovenia. They brought me a, a little girl who had crippling arthritis, four years old. That just ain't right. That's wrong. Are you hearing that? And a lot of it is going to come down to you getting fed up enough. And ain't, I'm not talking about getting worked up, but fed up. Do you understand what I mean? I'm not saying you have to, you know, get emotionally, you know, hot and bothered and you're, you're freaking. No, but fed up where I'm not putting up with this anymore. But how can you do that if you don't even know what you have? So they brought me this girl crippling arthritis. I said, I said, what? That's why I realized that was the first time I understood why Jesus would ask someone, how long have they been this way? It's not because he's trying to find the root. He's having compassion. Like, but this, is, this isn't right. How long is this? How? And I said, how long has she been this way? I, forget, I actually forget what they said because I, I was so taken back. They said, can you help? I said, yes. See, that, at that moment, you've got to know what you're doing. Amen? So I just took her. Now, this is a baby. It's a child. You don't have to scream at a child and scare the child. Right? You know, punching anointing. You better not do that. So I'll come looking for you, all right? Are you here? This is important because people get, people get weird, you know. Okay, so I just told her. I got down on, on my knee. I said, baby, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to what's hurting you. Is that okay? She said, okay. And so I just said, in the name of Jesus, I come against this arthritis, arthritis, I curse you. You will leave this little girl's body, you will leave it now, and I do not mean maybe, I mean right now, in Jesus' name, be healed. Or something like that. I don't see, it doesn't matter what you say. You know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not an incantation, like you've got to get, you know, Pastor Brian said, can, can you pray for my hip? And I said, in the name of Jesus, lips, be healed. You know, the hips and lips. Okay. <laughs> he said, no, 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 Derek, you didn't hear me. I said, my hip, not my lip. Okay, see, remember, God, he looks at your intention. Say that, intention. That's why, praise God, we don't have to get it all right. You don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have, you may not be a brilliant speaker. You may not, you may not have, you know, the most eloquent way of doing it. All right, so if I, you know, because you're, you're ministering to so many people and, you know, because as you start doing this, you take more and more responsibility. You start helping people. And you're human. You're, you can have a slip of the tongue. You know, I heard him say hip, but then I said lip. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this hip. Or I'm just saying as an example. So, the, so here's the point. The Holy Ghost knows how to take care of what I meant. He just needs a vessel to flow through. All right? And sometimes the worst thing in the world is for them to tell you everything that's wrong with them. Just, you know, you actually don't need to know. See, uh, like William, how many know William Branham? All right? I mean, not personally. If you do, I'll see you after the service. All right? Branhamites in the house. In Jesus' name. Out! All right? So, William Branham had a, had a really accurate word of knowledge. and He's, he's kind of like a sniper. Okay, now that's one way you can develop your faith and you can grow in that grace. And basically, uh, here, here's a statement that's probably going to, you know, I'll just say it and you, you search it out. 
Whatever you give yourself to is what will flow through you. What I mean by that is, Charles Finney, what was he all about? Revival. Winning souls. That's all he went after. That's what flowed through him. Smith Wigglesworth was about miracles and evangelism. He gave himself to that. He studied that. That flowed through him. If you study prophetic things, it's going to flow through you. If you study apostolic things, it's going to flow through you. If you study this and you keep working with it and keep sparring with it and study, it's going to flow through you. All right? So here we are. The sniper, you can be a sniper or you can throw bombs. I can spend a long time hitting everybody or just blow up the whole thing, everyone, all devils are gone. That's it. So you can, you can learn how to do that. Amen? You hear what I'm saying? So how, do, how does that translate into practical ministry? Be general as, be specific as necessary? Or I'm talking about how to minister. And we're kind of bouncing around. Okay, we're going to take a break in a minute. Be specific as necessary, general as possible. Say that specific is necessary, general as possible. All right? That's why you don't have to list every little thing that's wrong with them. I remember I was in England doing one of these, and a lady came up to me after we activated everybody, and she wanted prayer. And I said, what, what are you dealing with? And she started to go down the list. This, this I mean, was, I said, just stop. Thank you. Because you know what? You're not a doctor. You hear me? You're not, you're not to diagnose people. You're to give life to people. All right? Do you remember the scripture that said, Jesus said, take two of these and call me in the morning? you remember that one? That's not in the Bible. Take two of these, call me in the morning. All right, the Lord sent the Chinese herbs and healed the people. No, that's not what it says, is it? He sent forth what? The word and healed the people. All right, there... You know, mo- the, here's the truth. Most diseases will leave if you just fasted long enough. That's, a nat- that's just a natural way. Or if you fast too long, you'll, you know, you'll see him sooner than you think. All right? So, that, so you have to understand there are natural things we can do to keep ourselves, to maintain. I take a multivitamin. I exercise. I work out. Okay, I believe in eating healthy. But I don't, I don't trust in that. Some people take something to an extreme, and now it all becomes about supplements. And so you go to a healing a seminar like this, and they're talking more to you about diet than anything else. Okay, I understand we're living in a world where, I mean, when you travel, like you can talk to all the people that travel, it's really hard to eat right. So... If we're trusting in that, we're going to be in trouble. Right? I believe, I believe in, you know, you should eat as healthy as you can. All right? But God's not, you're not going to sin if you have a McDonald's, you know, nor do I think that should be your only diet. You know, you're, you're you know, got the big, big Mac demons and you want, you know, want to have a healing ministry. I mean, it's going to be a little difficult. Even if it flows through you, you'll probably, you know, not last. That's what happened to Jack Coe, isn't it? He had, he had one, that was one of the things I had problems with was food. The guy's eating like moldy. He had like a gluttony, gluttony spirit. So please, this is not permission to do whatever you want. It's not greasy grace. 
You slide in and slide, use whatever you want to do. Oh, yeah, you know, we're not, we don't have to have vitamins. Okay, I'm t- talking about what do you trust in? What do you trust in? You know, if you're walking outside and it's cold all the time and, you, you know, you're not wearing a coat and you're being irresponsible, you know, it's not a devil that you have a cold. Not everybody that gets sick has a devil. Is that true? All right, so you have to be accurate. However, everything that's called sickness and disease is in this world directly or indirectly because of the devil and sin. So that's why when I say be general as possible or specific as needed, I can say, let's, let's say he's sick and, and I say, devil, go. Now, whether there's a devil there or not doesn't matter. And some of you are like, what is this guy saying? Why? Because you're, com- you're commanding in the spirit realm and things have to move, things have to shift. So you have to remember, you have to trust in God in you. Trust in the word of God, trust the spirit of God. He's going to move through your intentions. So this is all going to be, I'm giving you stuff that normally I don't say until the last day because on the healing service, you guys are going to be the ones ministering. You say, oh Lord, I'm not coming. Okay. Okay, we're going to coach you. We're going to, I'm going to, but see, if we make this about a man and you can't get healed by a man, then this, this is going to defeat the purpose. Because then you can't get healed till I come back. Then that's not what this is about. This is about the work. This is about all those that believe in me shall do the works that I do and greater works than these. So that would be you. Someone say, that's me. All right, that's why you're here. Amen? All right, so 11.15, we'll take another break and then have one more. Sorry, pastors. You will. Is that... Take one more. Morning tea, okay. If we, if we can, uh, if we can be back by, shoot for eleven thirty. That's a fifth, about fifteen minutes. If you shoot for fifteen minutes, then uh, we can let you go early for lunch, and that'll that'll be a lot better. Okay, thank you.